Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. You gotta give us a shot! You know what? You gotta give us a shot! What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Clapback Sports. I am your host, The Mage. You can find me on Twitter, at The Mage underscore NFL. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, now newly known as Depressed Murph. Depressed Murph, how are you? No depression, man. Giants are on a winning streak. Ready to rock. I am an adult now. I no longer have my Twitter account um, for for reasons. And you can now find me at Clapback Sports underscore NY, correct? Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would plug your Twitter account, but as you That's said, my Twitter account, now, dude. Permanently suspended. Excuse me, Clapback underscore sports. Well, thank you for promoting the podcast. If you, if you notice, if you look at the profile now, there's no hyperlink on Murph. Oh, I haven't checked it out. Though. You're right. You did say you were going to do some new things to it. Um, sadly enough, I haven't checked it out. Mm-hmm. But um, how you doing, Marv? Are you a riot? Are you holding up? I mean, I'm a little concerned about you. So are some people. I'm just ready to fuck the Eagles up, bro. Go on that winning streak. All right. All right, yeah. Uh, Murph is uh, the hyperlink for Murph is gone now, so um, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. <laughs> Tino, my man, Tino Rodriguez, my fellow Jerseyan, how are you, brother? Murph said we were having, we were in a winning streak, and then said he wants to have a winning streak. I think I got into his head before the show because one and zero. Any way you look at it, the fact that we won one game and haven't lost yet, it's not a streak. We've just won, but I'm extremely happy about it, Murph. I like your energy. There's no time to worry about being suspended on Twitter. Biggest game of the year. This there's there's something the that I need to give me and Tino credit for this week. Um, fuck you, Mage. But I'm pretty sure last week you asked us what we wanted to see from the Giants against the Redskins. And both of us said from beginning to end, winning the fucking football game. Right. And what did we do, baby? We speak shit into existence over here, right? That is true. But before we get uh, get started, Tino can be found on Twitter. Tino Rodriguez, double underscore at the end. So find us on Clapback Sports, Clapback underscore sports on Twitter and Instagram. All right, so let's get right into it. So you guys are obviously impressed. The Giants started off the game with the lead, held the lead all throughout all four quarters. This is something that you obviously wanted to see. Tino, let's start with you, Tino. So we wanted to see them dominate from start to finish. And I will say this, our defense and special teams really bailed us out to make that happen in multiple occasions because the way this offense was playing early on, they really wanted to give it away. And the game switched just like that for me. It went from the near interception on the Ingram double drop on the drag and it got overturned. And then we ended up getting a muff punt and we were able to capitalize on it. And it went on to Danny not turning the ball over after that play got overturned, and it was a clean game. Granted, it ended up being a three-point game, but I think we're accustomed to this. We talk about it every week. In our heads, we already prepare for games like this. I mean, we're not good enough to like just run away with a game yet, but 
the script we had and the way we played defense put it, put us in a position to take control of that game, dominate time and possession, and fucking put the Redskins away or the Foreskins or the football team, however you want to look at them. Uh, we were able to put them away. You know, let me just stop you for one second because you talked about Danny not turning the ball over. And at one point, he got fucking rocked by Montez Sweat. And he held on to the football. So I think a lot of people are probably most impressed with that one play where he just didn't give the ball over. So, I mean, and that was a blindside hit too. So, I mean, you're right. Well, that was towards the end of the game. I think I know the hit that you're talking about. It was towards the end of the game. And the fact that he held on to the ball just shows he's getting a little more comfortable and uh, is just growing as a quarterback major. I know you were tweeting about this a lot, but you definitely saw some progression from Danny. His only touchdown pass of the day was to Evan Ingram, who everyone was like, wow, Evan Ingram caught a touchdown pass. Let's kiss his ass. And then no one wants to give credit to Danny, but he served that piece up to him. I mean, that hit him right in the hands. It was a seam route. It, it was a great throw. And I think Danny played probably start to finish one of his better games of the season, if not the best, and he didn't even run the ball. And I think he, we can't get away from that. I, I think that's a thing we have to get back to in this Philly game because he did not run the ball nearly enough. Although I get it because we were able to get like 70 yards rushing from Alfred Morris. So if that's happening, why well, even get Danny touches? But yeah. Before I turn the floor over to Murph, I just want to talk about what you had brought up with um, Daniel Jones. So I, I did tweet out and I mentioned that starting with the Philadelphia game, or the Dallas game, I believe it was. That's when I said that I really start to see a difference in this offense. Daniel Jones is more vocal. He's calling out the Mike linebackers at the line of scrimmage. It, his cadence, has, he's been able to draw a couple of defense offsides the last two weeks as well. He's changing it up at the line of scrimmage. You're also seeing audibles. He's going with silent audibles. He's, uh, you know, verbally calling uh, it changes at the line as well. That's something I'm really encouraged about because that lends to me that there's some, comfort, some comfortability with Danny it, it, with it, as this Jason Garrett offense progresses throughout the season. The other thing, to your point too, I agree that I don't want to see us get away from those running plays uh, with Daniel Jones. But the one thing that I want to add is, aside from the scripted runs, I want to see him do it more unscripted. There are so many times when that pocket will break down and he could climb the pocket and pick up five, six yards and turn it into a second and four. I want to see more of that out of Daniel Jones. I want to see more instinctual running. It's something that he did more at Duke. So uh, I, I agree with you. I don't want to see him get rid of scripted runs. I also want to see some more instinctual running. I want to see him do it unscripted. You guys covered a, a lot of ground there. Um, I'm going to go a little different route here. This team fought through adversity in a different way this time. Um, you know, typically we're a team that, well, you can call us the quarterback killers now, but I, I feel like we're typically a team that struggles when a different quarterback comes in the game. Um, the game plan kind of completely sh switched up a little bit when Kyle Allen went down. And honestly, <laughs> I would have rather have played against Kyle Allen for the rest of the game than Alex Smith because I knew he was going to come in and sling it, dink and dunk, gives it to their scat backs and, and um, kiss it and Gibson and Obviously, McLaurin's just a beast too. But, dude, this team, they, they kept their, pe their foot on the pedal the whole time, man. Like, they adjusted. This team typically doesn't adjust well in the second half, and it, they didn't really seem to miss a beat. They kind of had a couple 
two bad drives right when Alex came in. But after that, I mean, it was, it was back pedal to metal. And on top of that, dude, we're getting so much production on so many different individuals on this defense. I mean, Leo, dude, I mean, the motor is all over the place. Um, Tommy is, is the silent killer. Right? He doesn't get a lot, enough love on TV, obviously, but dude, peppers, I mean, I put it on the Twitter earlier, and I said it last week, and he continues to prove me wrong, man. I mean, the dude is all over the field making plays, making tackles, squaring up and making tackles. Um, you know, four weeks ago, I said, absolutely not. We're not paying him. But, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm, all, I'm very impressed with Patrick, Patrick Graham. And something that's kind of been floating around there lately in my head is, I hope we can hang on to the man, dude, because this defense just continues to excel at a different level every week. I can say this about this defense, because, yes, we had the foot on the pedal most of the game, but still at the end of the game there, we got very timid with our calls. We had a three and out to give them the ball back. After the first pick, it wasn't a great three-play calls. We went nowhere. I get you're running the clock out. It just – we have a chance to put them away. Very timid still sometimes. The, the drive before it, it was eight plays, nine yards. We, wait, we wasted a shit ton of time, but obviously not too much aggression in that amount of yards. But this defense is now at the point, to your Patrick Graham point, that it's okay that we're calling timid plays. I mean, I think we're at the point of the season now. This keeps happening, and the defense is just like, you know what, we'll just get the job done ourselves. We picked Alex Smith off. I mean, you were saying it. I'd rather see Kyle Allen than Alex Smith. Alex Smith was playing halfway decent. I mean, you couldn't tell with the way he was moving in the pocket, that he was just battling one of the vicious, most vicious injuries you could have in your leg. So, you know, with that said, we were able to get to him in the final three minutes of the game. A part of me there thought they would at least tie the game. I thought we'd get the ball back, maybe Danny Alita drive, he'd get a chance at it. The defense didn't even let that happen. And the last pick was credit to Patrick Graham, but I think this defense was just humming kind of start to finish on just their playmaking ability. Blake had a, had a pick. Again, our special teams recovered a fumble. I mean – those guys were ready to go. And I'm just really excited to see our defense kind of back to, you know, the Giants defenses that we're accustomed to. Like you have confidence in them because in years past, these past couple of years, I've not been confident in this defense. It's been one of the worst in the league. And this year is completely different. Well, what I was going to say was uh, to your point about being worried about losing Patrick Graham, our boy Chris had mentioned too as well, Robert, uh, Sale over in San Fran still hasn't gotten a uh, head coaching uh, job yet. And he's done a phenomenal job with that 49ers defense. So I would like to see them together, right? Patrick Graham did choose to come here to New York. So I think there's that relationship there with Joe Judge. I'm not too worried about losing him just yet. It's only one season. Now, to your point about uh, Peppers as well, is that you have a good defensive coach in Patrick Graham that is going to utilize him in different ways, which is exactly how he should. He's just not a straight-up safety. Uh, you have to move him around. You have to use him to his strengths. And then to Tino's point about, you know, winning this game from, you know, beginning to end, the defense really bailed him out there in, that, in those final three minutes. I mean, you came up with two interceptions. I mean – that's crazy. And, you know, you hinted towards uh, that Patrick Graham, right? That was something that they just studied in practice, that Logan Ryan play. I think that was Murph, but still, I mean, nonetheless, the, the fact that that was, that was timed the way it was at the end of the game there was great. I mean, it was a great play call, but I just think this defense as a whole is in unison. And I think that play shows it. 
They know where they have to be. They understand the concept of the defense. I mean, once the players on the field understand the jobs of others or like what people are doing and why that complements their job and you're able to hide under coverages and come up with those big interceptions just shows that, I mean, that's credit to coaching. We've heard it all week, Joe Judge and Patrick Graham, that's just credit to coaching. I feel like we don't have that on the offensive side of the ball, but if we're giving out positives, the defense is on their P's and Q's right now, man. I think they are really humming. So I got a, I got one thing though for the defense and, this is just open discussion, but, you know, our one weak spot I feel like right now is obviously that cornerback two position. And we got to get that figured out, man. I mean, it's the biggest liability, and teams obviously know who we have over there. Did I see Ryan Lewis is on IR? So he's on IR. So now we're just down to the item. I mean, Corey Ballantyne got cut yesterday. So <laughs> this staff is going to have to continue to be creative going forward. I mean – I guess the item's going to start there, but shit, someone, there's been a new starter there every single week, I feel like. Maybe Madre, maybe it's his time. Madre did – he was involved in that fumble, I believe. Yeah, he, he, I looked at his snap count. He didn't play very much, but he played a lot at the end of the game. Um, so, I mean, I didn't see any claims go through, but obviously they have to have a plan there. With McKinney coming back, I don't really love – love going down to the CB2 position. I don't know about y'all. But is there another option? Yeah, and I is mean, that's what I'm choice? getting at is we're getting slim bodies. And is there mm-hmm. something I'm missing here? I mean, I don't know. I, don't I know guess they're going to roll with the item over there who's completely just not ready to play at this level. But they're going to keep him out there. I guess that's all we have, <laughs> they right? Have a choice. I'm asking y'all. Yeah. Well, what I said after the Bucks game was that I was most excited about this coaching staff. So, and I think the coaching has proven to overcome the talent gap. So that's going to be an issue for the rest of the season. Let's face it. I mean, right now the Giants are two and seven. I mean, I, even if we get into the playoffs and we happen to even win the first round or we host a playoff game, I don't think this team's going very far. So right now, I'm still focusing on the coaching. I'm not that worried about the cornerback two position. By the way, you mentioned Corey Ballantyne was waived by the Giants, picked up by the New York Jets. So <laughs> there's that. But, um, Tino, I want to come back to you about what you said about the offense. This offense looked good, man. We had a running game, and you hinted on it with Alfred Morris. We had a running game with Wayne Gallman and Alfred Morris, man. I mean, I think we're starting to really see what this team is capable of doing. I know uh, Murph hates Jason Garrett. He said that he'd prefer to have Pat Shermer back. But I really see a lot of improvement over the last three weeks. Our biggest issue is the fact that our wide receivers can't separate. Go ahead, Wario. Our biggest issue is that we give 10 targets to a guy who will catch maybe – 30% of them at best in a game. And the ones he drops are first downs for key first downs or result into interceptions, which was about to happen again. This game would have a different narrative if that interception counts and it would be the same shit as it's been every week. And, And again, Evan Ingram played better in Washington. I'll start with that. He played better. Congratulations. There you go. Woo. But it's still the bare minimum. We're giving him 10 targets a game, 
He's dropping them in key moments. He ranks in the top 10 of drop percentage this season. Almost all the other people ahead of him are running backs. I'm going to cut you off. Are we giving him 10 targets a game because we believe that he is our guy? They're forcing it to happen. We don't believe anything. They're forcing it to happen. Well, that's and that's the issue. That's they think why he's their guy. Aside from Shepard, though, who else is getting separation besides Evan Ingram? I mean, yes, and this is part of the reason why he was traded at the deadline. Why do you also think he's getting separation? They're drawing up so many plays for him. Who else is getting that many opportunities? Well, this is a great point, and which I know that Murph probably is pretty excited to talk about, but I want to give you your floor on Evan Ingram before we go into the wide receiver separation. So fin- finish up with your Ingram point. I, just I know leave. you're not done. I'll leave with this. He ranks second in drops next to people who have 30 more targets than him, and he should be in first. For some reason, his drops don't count. I don't know why they don't give him credit for all of them. When he fumbles the ball, they give it to Danny. But whatever the Giants got going on upstairs with the box, the box score team, it, it's working in Evan Ingram's favor. It doesn't jump off on the stat sheet, and it's still alarming. Uh, this guy is getting too much usage in key situations when the opportunity should be going to other people that will probably be more open and make the play a la Shep, Austin Max showed promise. Give me anybody else at this point that isn't going to jump up and try to catch the ball and have it slap off his face and almost into the cornerback's arms at the worst times of the game. That is it. It's he just simple, drops man. the ball too much. It's simple. They overvalue Evan Ingram. It's simple. But that's not the way we're going to be. Correct. It's not right. And I'm not agreeing with it, but you got a dog like Shepard, who still goes out there and puts up the same numbers as Ingram and isn't nearly as involved as Ingram. And he's their feature guy, dude. There's another reason why they weren't asking for a first for him. And that is why this offense is averaging 19 points a game. Everything you're saying is correct. And that's my issue. Everything on this team could be better. Yes, the play calling was better. They're using all three tight ends. Caden Smith was good on pulls. They were pulling tight ends. It was great. The offense is involving, but we're giving targets and usage to guys that, and guys as in Evan Ingram, that is really kind of hurting this team, I think, overall. And in terms of Danny, too, because Danny gets the brunt end of it. That's what pisses me off. Everyone's happy because Evan Ingram caught that touchdown. If he doesn't catch the touchdown and that results in a pick, we're one and eight and everyone's pissed off again. And it's the same story. So we're, we're one lucky bounce away from this narrative being different. The Giants had the throw, or Danny had to throw the Evan Ingram that was picked, that was overturned. Obviously, it hit the ground. So you're right about that. Um, according to player profile, uh, Evan Ingram is first in drop rate at 12.5%, and he leads in drops with eight. But he is 18th in terms of target separation, which comes back to our point about these wide receivers not being able to get He's proper separation. So let me segue over to, and I'll throw this over to Murph, because I know this is Murph's guy. I really liked Austin Mack this week, guys. The one thing that I noticed with watching Austin Mack against the Washington Redskins, it's not even target separation. The Giants don't have any fucking wide receivers that can make a defender miss. They, nobody on this team has any elusiveness. Golden Tate catches a ball and falls right to the fucking ground. 
I mean, Shep is – I mean, and we only got Shep back just recently, but Shep's probably our best wide receiver, and he operates out at a slot. But, again, he's not really doing too much, but Shep can pick up those extra yards after the catch. I really like what I saw from Austin Mack, though. Austin Mack danced a little bit. He was able to get a few separations. He was able to make some uh, tacklers miss. I think that the Giants are really kind of missing that. So the Giants now are going to add Austin Mack to this. You mentioned that they waived Corey Ballantyne. That is also to make room for Dante Pettis, who they picked up on waivers. So, Murph, I mean, do the Giants have wide receivers that they can look forward to? Well, a couple things here. I mean, again, for the last three weeks, all three of us have preached, let's experiment with this roster. There's nothing else to look forward to. So they put another guy on the field this week, and he made some plays, man. Uh, Joe Judge thinks he's a gritty player. Uh, he had five targets, caught four of them for 90-some yards, I believe. Um, should have been in on that touchdown, just a, a hair short. But, um, I mean, from from Judge's presser yesterday, it seems like he's going to continue to get some opportunities. Uh, my thing with him and a lot, of my, a lot of my boys from randomly here from Virginia are Ohio State fans, so I saw a lot of Mac in college, and what I always liked about him was he kind of reminded me of a more physical – um, Golden Tate, Shepard, kind of like a mix of both, but a little bit bigger. Um, I knew he was a special teamers, but um, it's great to see him get out there. I think he's going to have a shot again. Uh, the Pettis thing, I, I don't know how to feel about that because we all play fantasy here. We all have stashed Pettis here and there on rosters thinking he's going to come back, break out from his rookie year. He was an all-world special teamer in college, um, and that was something that T-Mac, uh, special teams coach, commented on when they signed him so I, I don't know that he's going to be involved early but right now there's really only reps for Austin Mack so um we'll, well the see. Giants did just wave Corey Ballantyne so you talk about special teams so I'm, I'm sorry from an offensive side of the ball yet I don't know that he's going to get in early but for right. special teams dude he could be if he I think he's active this week he could be yes. once this week um I, I fully expect him to probably take a punt or a kick this week but uh, well, here's it might the thing, take him a little with, bit to get in the offense. Here's the thing with Dante Pettis and Austin Mack. I mean, what was one of the things that we talked about that this Giants wide receiver core lacked at the beginning of the season? Speed and separation. Also size, right? So that too, yeah. Darius Slayton, I believe 6'1". Dante Pettis, 6'1". Austin Mack, I believe, is what, 6'1"? So, I mean – be 6'2", but yeah. I know uh, Benjamin Victor was uh, the taller of the two. But yeah, Austin Mack is still uh, has some decent size to him, so I do like that. Uh, So there you go. And I mean, Golden Tate is what five foot six, I believe. Damn, he's young too, man. He's only (laughs) twenty three. So I I really do like, and I'm kind of intrigued by that too. Also adding some size to this uh, to his wide receiving core. And hey, I mean Dante Pettis, we we know what he can do. If you can get Dante Pettis at six one to play opposite Darius Slayton. And, you know, leave Shep in the slot. I like that idea, too. Also play Austin Mack outside. At this point, hey, you know what? Golden Tate doesn't want to be here. His wife doesn't want him here. Fuck Golden Tate. I, I, at this point, I got to put him at the bottom of the totem pole, man. I, I, he just – he hasn't done anything. He's not – supposedly he's supposed to be the Yak King. He's not doing anything after the catch. I want to see Austin Mack, man. I want to see Dante Pettis. Uh- I'm cool with Tate being in closer to the end zone, but that's about it. I mean, he still has good hands. 
I got to give him that. But and anything, anything else? But dude, I, I think we saw Joe Judge isn't giving up on him. Evan Ingram, four point five yards after the catch this season. So we were talking about receivers not getting um, much going after the catch. Evan Ingram, not much going after the catch. Also, you can sense regression in his numbers if you just quickly look at them. I mean, his drop percentage or, or his catch percentage is down to about 36%. Uh, I mean, it's 10% lower with the same amount of targets each of the last two seasons. Uh, two years ago, he was at above 50. Last year, he was at 48. So uh, not great. And his yards per game is also down. So, Evan Engram's best season was his second year. I believe he had a catch rate uh, around 80%, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I think Murph also talked about it. That was the year that uh, Odell Beckham – Pardon me, out. pardon me. His yards per game is down to 30 from 58. His catch percentage is still down 10% from 56 to 64. I read the chart uh, off. And then 70% was his catch rate in 2018. Uh, and he only played 11 games that year. So. Look, I'm going to root for him. We got no chance. There's nothing else for us to do now. They're going to bring him back. So, I mean, it is what it is. But you're right. They need to have another option out there because he's not a focal point to this offense. But he's doing some good things, and he's doing a lot of bad things too. But I'm done talking fucking Evan Ingram, dude. Yeah, well, look, and for the receivers, I'm looking forward to Mac. But will they continue to utilize him when Tate is back? I mean, I know you guys were touching on it. But that's, deci- that's the deciding factor. And truthfully, another thing that scares the shit out of me with this team, and I, I know we're going to get into it, but it's how our offense is rotating guys. And we'll get to that with the O-line for sure. But if that starts happening with the receivers, they better start calling the right plays for them. Because if you're going to draw up these plays for Evan Ingram, you should be drawing up plays for Austin Mack, even if Golden Tate comes back. The only thing I feel with Austin Mack and having uh, – I'm sorry, not Austin Mack. Having Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard on the field is you have two slot wide receivers. There's, there's really nothing that you can do to really open up the playbook, especially when you're utilizing Evan Ingram on drag, <laughs> on drag routes and outs. There's not enough going on to open up that playbook. So this way that our guys can get some yards after the catch. But – It'd be That's nice to slide Pettis in there and see if we can get him over the top. We need someone on the inside who can spread the top off. I think Pettis I mean, will definitely start special teams and, and yeah. work his way into the offense. I think he's going to be like CJ Board to start. He'll take that role and then kind of work his way up. But I think Mac had to prove it week last week. I, I love what I'm seeing from the staff. I, I got to say that. as What we're talking about right here is everything we wanted to happen. Seeing bodies on the field that we wouldn't normally see. And I mean, I'm ready to move on, so fuck Mage. But go, this is a similar subject. I mean, we're talking about Austin Mack and Golden Tate. What's the deal with Will Hernandez, man? I mean, is he the starter on Sunday? Is Shane Lemieux the starter? Yeah, it's got to be Will Hernandez. Uh, yeah, I, you think so? I like Shane Lemieux. I think that he's a mean. he has a mean streak. He plays with so much tenacity. But – He's still very raw, though. I think that he still has a lot that he has to learn yet. Um, and I know that you guys don't really – or Murph doesn't uh, like PFF, but his PFF grades just haven't been great uh, the last two weeks. But, hey, look, the offensive line has looked good as a unit. If somehow just having him next to Andrew Thomas make, makes Andrew Thomas better and this offensive line as a whole a better unit – then I'm fine with that. Then leave him in there. I think that Shane Lemieux is probably better at more of those um, where you're pulling the guard, et cetera. 
Will Hernandez just can't fucking get out of his own way, which is why he's such a good run blocker, because as long as he's moving upfield, he doesn't have to do a lot of zone uh, scheme blocking. I'm fine with him. Um, but I do like the fact that they are rotating these guys on the offense. I mean, Tino, I'll ask you since Murph um, threw the question out there, do you know of another offensive line by committee like the Giants have been utilizing? I mean, this is kind of crazy, is it not? It, it gives me a headache, and that's what I was already getting at with the receivers. And last week, what it was put out into the, the Twitterverse was that there would be a three-man rotation at guard, like there's a three-man rotation at tackle, and that's just too much. And then Nick Gates is the only one staying put. I want people to get reps. Sure, that's fantastic, but we're not starting the right people. We're giving the wrong series to the wrong people, like Fleming and Pert. That's a situation, right? And then what? Are we just going to start taking Zeitler out so we could have Lemieux and Hernandez on the field at the same time? I mean, not against the Eagles. Don't do this against the Eagles. If we want to do this, let's make sure the ship is sailed. I don't see why we're going to start messing with something that just showed promise last week. If you want to put Hernandez back, fine. But it looked okay. It's getting better, and I think we know the real reasons why. So I'm going to agree with Mage here for once, <laughs> um, but just by virtue. You throw Will's ass in there, and if it starts going to shit real quick, his ass is out. You can give him his job back. He started against the Eagles the first time. That's kind of when we started getting kind of spooky and getting kind of weird and changing things up. So if Will goes in there, and even if Will plays good, but Andrew Thomas starts going to shit, I want to see a change immediately. Well... Tino, let me ask you this question, though. Would you agree that Andrew Thomas has looked better the last two weeks? He looked better in the second half last, last week. I will say that on Sunday. He didn't start all rosy. He didn't start all so, rosy. So, for, for me, isn't that just a little ironic or too much of a coincidence that he started playing better once the rotation came along? Oh, of course. Of course. Well, you're saying with well, – Well, is, is Will Hernandez the problem? Well, I'm I'm just, I'm not talking about Will Hernandez. I'm talking about um, Andrew Thomas's progression. Well, right. Sometimes now, you're saying you think his progression has come with what Perp being on the field, or the fact that other guys are getting. I think the fact that they're rotating snaps, right? Because it's it's hard to when he first of all he's a rookie offensive left tackle. If he's expected to play a hundred percent as snaps too. It's kind of really hard. Sometimes I think it helps to have that rotation in there. You can kind of take a step back. You can kind of see what other people are doing. You get to watch the game from the sideline, and then you get back in there in your rotation. And I see them fix a lot of things, man, over the last couple weeks. He's not allowing that inside pass rush anymore. Mm. He's fixed that spin move. They're not getting that on him. Last week was the best I've seen Andrew Thomas play, and his PFF grades also show that as well. So I'm, I'm going to go to my solved. conspiracy theorist shit, dude. Problem solved right here. So then what we do is we start Matt Pert at right tackle. And whenever you want to give Andrew Thomas reps, you just move Pert to left tackle where he's going to play. And then you put Fleming at right tackle. And this way, the club-footed Cam Fleming doesn't have to fuck it up. He could just play the position he plays. And then we get Pert at reps at, reps at left tackle. But that starts with starting Pert at right tackle. Rotate Fleming. You can love him. You can give him reps. I know the team loves him. I well, love you, him so much. I've never seen it, them love. It's his personality and his more. attitude. If you've ever we're, seen an interview. We're, we're about to be sense. 10 games into the season. I, I get it. I get it. Let's see Pert out there with the starting unit. 
it's obviously the better unit. Just give the kid the start. I mean, how is it that much worse? Tino, you know, I mean, I've was been a rotation right, right tackle most of his career, anyways. You know, I've been beating that drum for Matt Per ever since we saw him in that first game when he played what uh, twelve snaps or when he came in for the first series or whatever it was for uh, Andrew Thomas. And his grades, again, PFF, have also – he's the best offensive lineman that the New York Giants have right now. Yes, it's in limited snaps, but I don't care because I can tell with my eyes that he's a pretty damn good offensive tackle. Can I, I mean, please go into my conspiracy? No! You have a conspiracy theory? I thought you said Mage was cons- conspiring. I'm down for a good conspiracy theory, Murph. It's not really a conspiracy theory. Uh, but I agree with Tino. Just fucking plug his ass in. But my conspiracy theory is, why is it that Will's gone and left tackles start to play good? Every left tackle that's played it next to Will has sucked ass. Every single one. Like statistically bad. Not like just bad. Horrible. Like horrible. <laughs> so what is going on that is changing that, or is it just a coincidence? I don't think it's a coincidence. And how so is that's it that why they're I playing say, better? Put Will in on grading like shit. Put Will in on Sunday. Put Will in on Sunday. But mm-hmm. even if Andrew Thomas fucks up, you keep him in and put Shane in for a drive and see what you get. Because mm-hmm. something's telling me that he's the anchor that's holding this fucking line down. And we don't even know it. Well, you just said it. He's a fucking anchor. I no, just said, I, not I just, in a good way. He's sinking the I ship. know. I know. But that's my whole fucking point. Why it's do you the think hole in the boat? Why do you think the run game has looked much better no, with Will Hernandez I, I, out of the I'm, I'm not, I haven't disagreed with you at all. I've actually agreed right. with both of you. But that's what I'm saying is, like, I don't think we have thought about how much Hernandez plays into this. Like, we got fucking lucky that he got COVID and we got where We just said that. <laughs> we just said that having Shane Lemieux in the lineup opens up a, a – a, uh, uh, right, but I know you're kind of down on Lemieux's team. PFF grade, is, so I was kind of going. Right, ahead. but at the same time, you're right. right. I mean, like that goes I look to show at you why PFF grades are shit. The, he plays a better guard position. His grade's terrible, but the team's playing at its best. So what does that tell you about the grade? That's what I was. Fuck the grade. Right. And that's the grade. And that's why I said if, if the offensive line as a unit has played better. Then you leave him in. I don't care what the grades say, right? That's odd. But you'd think if that's the case, if that's all it took for the offensive line to play better, then they'll keep you in. You'd think Matt Pert would be starting by now. But it looks like that's not happening either. True thing. True thing. Twice on a third down, the first time they converted, Danny rolled out right. Pert, you've seen the video. I know you guys have seen it. Lights the end's ass up. Flattens him like a pancake. He throws the out to Shepard nice and easy. Why does that play look as great as it does? Because no one's running rampant in Danny's face off the edge like it would have with Fleming. And then when he went in at left tackle, they ran the same play. It was a comeback to the left side. Danny rolled out left. It wasn't completed. Same play. They have that much confidence in him. And, and if they do, why are they not starting him? I, I can't figure it out. Dude. It doesn't make any sense to me. Everything we are doing right now is fine from a rotational standpoint. I get it. You want more. And that's going to come, has it not? Every week not we enough. jump on here and we talk about experimenting. Fuck you, Mish. I mean, everybody's getting – yeah, you're laughing. Everybody's getting more opportunity by the week. So, I mean, you're probably going to eventually see Pert slowly take that job over. And honestly, as much from a fan perspective, it sucks because we just want to go out there and dominate pass rushers. It's probably for the best for Pert because we kind of already kind of had to fuck Aaron Tom- – or Aaron – Jesus, Andrew Thomas – 
and throw him into the fire with Solder. So I, I can't say I hate it, but I get your frustrations because I want to see more. I want to see more Austin Mack. I want to see more of everyone. Anyone that's new to this roster, I want to see more of. So I, I totally get it, man. I just don't like seeing Cam Fleming get the first two series. That that's Those are the frustrations. I, I one and it. one, cut it down the middle, fine. Pert dominates towards the end of it. But rotation and I, let's, let's set the tone. Let's come out and just dominate from the beginning with our best guys. If we know who our best guys are, we should be putting them out there. I, I get maybe we got we to gotta keep some weapons in our back pocket because they're so limited and we don't have any in the receivers. But we need our best line out there because Danny's at its best, at his best, when we have that line out there. Coach, so let me ask you a question, Coach. Rotating this offensive line, what does that do to the opposing defensive lines? Well, for like, it, it poses a different challenge. It's really just a fresh set of legs thing. I mean, that's a majority of it. I mean, people get banged up. I mean, that's what the offensive line's about. That's why D linemen rotate too. I mean, these are big men going 100 miles an hour. And so, you know, I think a good display of it was on the stretch play to Alfred Morris. You kind of saw them work in unison. That's why fresh legs are good. If you can get fresh legs in on a defense that's been slowed down and rotate guys in like that per series, I mean, it helps you. If you notice, the Giants were going a lot more up-tempo this game, and they were trying to stick by that. And I think a rotation helps if you're going up-tempo and you're keeping those guys out for those series, which is what they were doing. If you're rotating a mid-drive, then it doesn't make too much sense because then the defense could also rotate. But if you're going up-tempo, 100%, you tire them out, you got fresh legs, you got clean bodies in there. What worries me is that they do go up-tempo. They try to do a little bit too much. And if they don't have the right unit out there, things hit the fan. When one of their running back doesn't match up with the play they're trying to call. When Deion Lewis is in there and they're trying to run short yardage plays and he fumbles or he gets stuffed, it kills us on those plays. When Fleming's in and we're trying to roll right and the DM blows past him, kills us on those plays. So it makes sense to the tempo of offense they were using this week. It just worries me because I feel like sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot with how we put together our drives. Again, uh, the play before our last drive of the game, it was nine plays, eight plays, for nine or eight yards. It was one or the other. And it took like six minutes to do it. That's just not, it's, it's slow. It's boring. It's not that efficient. And you know, it's not the sexiest offensive football. If you're going to rotate guys in, let's muscle up, let's go downhill and utilize those legs. But when you're not rotating in, um, in terms of going fast with tempo, it kind of defeats the purpose. Two things that you also mentioned too. Um, early you mentioned about the rollouts with Daniel Jones. I'm also not seeing him get his body squared with the receiver on those throws. He did a lot at Duke, and which reminded me also, too, is that he's going to get one of his wide receivers killed, too. He, for some reason, he's been throwing those balls a little too high. He's got to put them lower. Um, there's so many times where one of our wide receivers who aren't six foot one has to jump for a pass and then can't get any yards after the catch either. He's got to try to work on that. And the point that you mentioned about Deion Lewis, right? Uh, the Giants ran up there on that fourth and one situation, handed off to Deion Lewis. He got stuffed at the line. That was a perfect opportunity for a uh, fake handoff and a rollout for uh, Danny Dimes to pick up the one extra yard. That's where they got to get creative. So you talked about the running backs. I mean, let's just stay there for a minute. I mean, I don't know, Alfred Morris, back from the dead. Uh, who, Wayne Gallman, uh, what do we call him? Interesting to see how they put 
Freeman back in now. I mean, we got four. So, I mean. Uh, Just don't give Deion Lewis any hot. rushes. They're don't give him any carries. If you're going to put Deion Lewis in the game, give him passes. But the last time we played the Eagles, we gave him a handoff when we shouldn't have gave him a handoff, and he fumbled. Last game. It was uh, a I, don't, game I, I like Wayne Goldman in the passing game, too. They need to play Wayne Goldman more. I don't know why they don't play him well, enough. See, and going back to your Fleming point, that's the same shit with Deion Lewis, man. It's just like comfortability yeah. things. They trust him on the ball, but at, at some point you got to let it break. And, I mean, I, I don't hate having Alfred Morris up there because that's a nice goal line back to have, honestly. I'd rather have him run it instead of Devontae Freeman, but I would go back to Freeman. Yeah, I, I think I would go back to Freeman as well, but I think I would rotate them. Again, it seems to be – Freeman uh, and Goldman, and you can put Morrison on short. Even Goldman so, played the I, better game in Philly. Goldman played the better game in Philly. He played the best game last week. He's been our best running back, and he doesn't get treated as such. And when Freeman comes back, I don't think we should just crown him with the starting running back position again. I don't think he's earned anything yet this season. I well, think- I need that to happen for fantasy, so I need you to shut your mouth. <laughs> Look, I think I think he's he's had a better career, but in terms of this season, Goldman has been our better running back. That's just a fact. All right, so but I will say this question. One th- one shut thing, the fuck up, Murph. He'll get the checkdowns. Just never shut. Them. You got to give Freeman the checkdowns over Lewis, right? I would take that. Yeah. Shut. All right. Cool. Fuck. Uh, Tino, who do you want backing up Saquon Barkley next year? Because we need somebody in there that can run in between the tackles and use all your finesse plays with Saquon. Who do you want backing up Saquon next year? It's tough because Goldman was already backing up Saquon in essence, but really it was Deion Lewis. But they didn't use either of them too much when Saquon was there. So we saw that happen. I kind of jumped for joy on Freeman because – if you're just utilizing him out of the backfield in a passing situation, I think you could get something out of him. Deion Lewis hasn't given us a whole lot this year, and we've trusted him uh, time He's in, time out. out. Yeah, he had You're a decent Monday night, but again, everyone was like, Deion Lewis, amazing. It was a perfect ball by Danny. So, I don't know. I, I Definitely not Deion Lewis. I don't think they give Goldman enough credit. But to the same point, he was a healthy scratch earlier this year. So, I don't know what they didn't see in him then that they're still seeing now that they're not giving him touches when he's doing just as much, if not better, than the people that they're putting out there in Freeman and Morris. Well, in the last show, we called Gallman. We, we nicknamed him Le'Veon Gallman, right, because of his patience, the way that he hit the holes. I still think that we need a guy like Freeman who just fucking punches a hole right through two, three yards. Murph, I see you. I will get to you in a second. <laughs> Raising his hand like he's in school. It, but if, if if Devontae Freeman wants to be a free agent next year, right, because he wants to start somewhere, then let him go. But then I'm bringing back Alfred Morris to Murph's point. I need that guy that can punch a hole and just pick up a hard two, three yards if needed. Dead, Murph. couple of my candidates. Obviously, those, those guys that you just mentioned. I take a gamble on a Marlon Mack on a cheap deal. Um also, shit, there's one more. Sorry, I'm sorry. One second. Oh, Jonathan Williams. Or, yeah, Jonathan Williams from the Packers. So, Jamal Williams. Yeah, Jamal. Jesus. Jonathan Williams on the Colts. I don't even yeah, know. I, I like those guys. Even like a Mike Davis, dude. We just need a guy. I'm down with keeping a lot of backs, too, and I feel like this coaching staff's going to want to do that. I mean, get, Jason Garrett always kept three. 
sometimes four and a fullback in, in Dallas. So you don't need Saquon to be a four down. Back. We need a new fucking fullback. Eli Penny got a first down on a. I mean that's cool. Eli Penny's not bad, but like I feel like he doesn't fit the the identity of what this offense wants to do. Like I want to, like Chris always says, we need bring back Hynoski, uh, dude. That's it. Just yeah, like all right, let's look up Freedom. Y'all talk about something else. Yeah, just hit a Hynoski, suit him up. Oh, Murph gets suspended, and uh, no, he just transforms all over. Even on the podcast, he he's like he's like a lost soul right now. To you know. What do you mean? He looks full. I think it's because <laughs> he knows that at some point we're going to talk about the Mets, and it's not yet. It's not what, yet, what, what, but we will. What's and wrong with he's me? Just, he's blocking it out. He's just looking at ways to keep himself distracted. Because LeMahieu didn't he's sign his player option uh, today. You know, well, certain teams didn't have their player option signed in DJ LeMahieu, like the Mets did with Showman, and mm, it's okay. It's all right. You just block that out, point. and you just renegotiate. Yeah, I mean, I, at least somebody wants to play in New York. I mean, it just happens. I just don't to be think you guys understand that. Like, did you see that Steve Cohen's or uh, Sandy Alderson said that uh, teams are already calling the Mets about wanting to play there? I don't think yeah, you guys that's a little understand. Intriguing. Like, I like the Yankees, but I don't give a fuck. Mm. I hope the Mets do well. I don't hate so the do Mets we. like I. I don't hate the Mets, Mets like I hate well the Jets. Also. You're killing me with kindness, and I don't I mean, appreciate. I just. I don't appreciate it. Y'all one know day. I'm not. I like baseball, but like baseball is an appreciation thing for me. Going back to football real quick too. I don't think that the Giants necessarily need a fullback. Um, I know that would be nice for some of those uh, blocking schemes, but hey, if you have a guy like Devontae Freeman, go to a two back set. Line up Devontae Freeman and Saquon uh, next to one another in the backfield. Um. Is it me or is Danny not under center a lot very much in this offense? Because Nick Gates is still having trouble snapping the football. You can't tell. It's not all the time. But sometimes he has trouble snapping the football, in my opinion. Honestly, I haven't noticed. It messes up the timing. When they do those jet motions, when snaps are low, you'll see it. It's just a little, little staggered sometimes. Very subtle, but I think Nick Gates is still having a little bit of trouble snapping the football, but it's okay. Sometimes that happens with a center. You just prefer them taking it out of gun. I don't know if that's 100% the reason, but from my eye, that's what I could assume. It does seem like he's getting more confidence at the line of scrimmage, though, <laughs> as far as pre-calls and stuff, Danny. Um, but the last thing I got, dude, is, is keys to beat Philly. I mean, what do we need to do that differently, obviously, besides Evan Ingram catch a fucking football? I need this game to not be an Evan Ingram redemption game. Yeah. I need that shit to be thrown out of the window. I need the whole drop that we're going to see 17 times on game day to not be the narrative of this game. We can't give him 10 targets and have the whole game depend on Evan Ingram because then we are going to lose. Very simple. Run the ball again. Try to do it as successfully as possible to help Danny not turn the ball over because that's why he didn't turn the ball over. You want to win? You want to play Giants football? You have to run the ball to help Danny out so he doesn't get dumped on all day. When we have to come from behind and we don't run the ball and Danny's just back, our offensive play calls are so predictable. We can't do that. We're not that good. Keys to the game, do what we did in Washington. Do it again, whether it's Alfred Morris, Devontae Freeman, have two RBs, Get him 50 yards a pop, throw Danny Rushes in there, beat the Philly up, beat Philly 
24, 20, I don't give a shit. But that's the only way it's going to happen. Danny's got to have at least only one turnover. If we have two, I just don't see a chance we're winning this game with the Eagles coming off a bye and them getting revamped with all the people that they're getting. It's got to so, be clean. It's got to be clean. So I will say this. If I'm Carson Wentz, I want extra tape on my ankles this week. Because what week are we heading into now? This is week nine or week ten? Ten. Week ten. So this is about the time that Carson Wentz starts to uh, come up with some injuries, right? So I, I hope he's been drinking his milk because I'm telling you, somebody's going to break a leg this week. <laughs> well, no, hold on. But then Jalen Hurts comes in the game. Don't that kind of is what we do. Murph just said w- earlier in this show that we're the type of team that doesn't adjust to a backup. We can handle Wentz. We should have beat Wentz. If he gets hurt and Jalen Hurts comes in, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. Not this time. True. Even for next year. I don't want to so, do that either. So I'm going to say my keys to the Philly game is this. They got Jalen Rager back. They got Alshon Jeffrey back. They got Dallas Goddard. And they have Travis Fulgham. This is going to rely mostly on the secondary. Oh, and they get Miles Sanders back. This is, it, this is going to be a Philly team at full strength. So I'm not too worried about Miles Sanders, um, only because we have a good defensive front. So I think that they can slow down that run game. But I'm worried, man. You guys talked about not having a cornerback too earlier. So it, it really going to come down to the secondary and not giving up those yards. Travis Fulgham is a big-time play uh, maker. He can hit that home run. Alshon Jeffrey I'm not too worried about. I'm sure he's probably going to – they're going to utilize him underneath or over the middle. But he's still a pretty big target, though. So you're going to rely on your linebackers. They're probably mostly in that coverage. And – Let's face it, Jalen Rager can spread that field. So the keys to the Philly game, man, is going to be stopping those wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, Mace stole my point, but I totally agree. Wentz fucking tore apart at that weak link in our defense on those last drives in that first game. Um, first of all, PG is going to have to figure out how he's going to disguise that weakness in the secondary. Not really sure how that's going to go down. Um, but – Danny, Danny's gonna have to. He's gonna have to play like he did the first Philly game. Control the game. Control the the time of the possession. Um, and yeah, dude, I, I'm feeling it though. I'm feeling it. I had more, but Mish kind of stole it. These weeks. Oh, uh, this so oh, I got one more. One more. We've done a really good job of wrapping up the quarterback, hmm. whether it's a sack or not. Just finishing on plays. We never do that. We never do that with Wentz, and Wentz always gets away. So back to Tino's point, no, I don't want to see fucking Hurts, um, but let's wrap up Carson Wentz, not let him get first downs with his legs. Last Eagles game, we both had the same feeling that it's just the Eagles. We hate them. We know it's coming. It's going to be close. You never know how it's going to go, but you feel confident. You truly feel confident that this game isn't going to make you want to pull your hair out by the end of the fourth quarter. You feel that way. Like, do you do you feel at no point in, like, late in the fourth, you're going to just, like, want to turn the TV off and, like, shake yourself? What time are we at? Is it at 1 o'clock? I don't – this is my whole day. Yeah, no, it's not in prime time. You're right. It's not in prime time for the world to see, so that helps. It's, only it's 1 o'clock. Markets. Yeah, so there's a whole day of questionable activities that are going to happen on Sunday from a good or bad – Bad standpoint. What does that even mean? I don't know what that means either. 
either going to be partying because we won or very depressed. This is depressed, Murph. I think I did it right. It's gonna go. It's gonna go from one extreme to another, bro. It'll be drinking for the game, and it'll be it'll be, a, it'll be a sad drunk, or it'll be like big dick energy drunk. Dude, we I we fucking tied for first in the NFC East drunk. Go ahead, Tino. He's just gonna keep going. So. I, I, I was just genuinely curious. I was trying to gauge the positivity. I mean, last week I was, you know, not even negative. I was more just mad. Now I'm just, like, worried to be hurt again. Uh, we talked about how terrible that Eagles loss was and probably the worst we've encountered in a few years. And here we are, supposed to just bounce back within a month and just play the same team again in the same situation. If the Giants win, we're at first. It's literally the same thing. And I think we said it during the Eagles. It's like, if we lose, this is exactly what's going to fucking happen. Like, if we win this game, then we're actually streaking, Murph. We have a winning streak this year. Yeah, and I'm going the to Bengals, Cincy. And then we have the bye. And there's yeah, and I'm going to Cincy, and you're coming. Dude, it changes everything. But we can go? they actually beat the freaking Eagles? I, I don't know. I, I, the score I pick says they will, but I, I don't know. Um, anyway, let's proceed over to our next segment. Clap back, all stacks. Tino, give us your picks of the week. Mage, thank you for that lovely toss. Fellas, we're money on Thursday night. We're money on Thursday night. Oh, before we get started, how did you do last week? One game above 500 overall. On the New York Football Podcast, we're floating. We're head above water. Extremely hot start, 6-1. and Couldn't be any better. Um... And then it all went downhill drastically. But six and five, four straight losses, but we're one game over. Last that sounds week, like Murph's Twitter account. Yes. I mean, life comes at you fast sometimes in the gambling world, especially when you're betting the entire board. So we were on the Packers. That was a cruising victory. Very nice and easy. And unfortunately, the underdog I picked, I did say I really liked the Bills as the dog, and I took them. Uh, and I'll count that as a win. I thought, I thought the Denver Broncos were going to be able to get the Falcons doing a Falcons uh, thing last week. And they were close. They had a drive to do it, but they came up short and didn't cover the four. They lost by seven. It's all right. We get back on the horse. Two and one last week on this show. And we go to Thursday. I'm hammering the Titans. It's pretty much a pick them here. We got minus one. The Titans are going to host the Colts. I think this is just a Derrick Henry game. I was talking about this on the Believe in New York football pod, that certain players and teams are Thursday night teams. The AFC South, in general, are Thursday night teams, but Derrick Henry is a Thursday night football player. So he's going to go off. The Titans are going to win. That's going to be a nice and easy one to get us started on the week. And then you know what? For the underdog play of the week, let's fucking go, boys. The Giants are getting the hook. They've had five straight games decided by three points or less. Give me the three and a half points. The take it, we're going to take a money line as well, but give me the three and a half. Someone in the books don't know what's going on. Five straight games decided by three points or less. They're giving me the hook. Foolish. Get it while you can because that thing's going back down. There's no way. There's a field goal game through and through. So buckle up, Murph, because there's no way I'm going to be confident at any point in time in this game, especially not with Jason Garrett calling plays on offense. That's all you got to, you know? That's it, yeah. I, all right. Give me the Giants. Give me the Titans, man. I want to give you guys a dog. I give you a Thursday night pick. All right. Um, guys, by the way, I, you know what? I apologize. I have to throw this in before I close out the podcast, but Matt Miller thinks that Daniel Jones is the worst quarterback in the NFL. Worst starting quarterback in the NFL. I did tell him that it's okay to be a fucking idiot. 
And he quote tweeted me back and said, the sooner that I realize this, the better off I'll be. He's just an asshole and he doesn't realize it. Well, I don't mean to like toot my horn or anything, but I have talked to someone that has worked in the NFL that knows him and he is known as a clown amongst the league. So grain of salt, fuck him. He also said a lot of other dumb shit. Clowns will be clowns. He's the one that started the Landon Collins rumor. The first round pick. Yeah. I mean, and nobody in the industry takes him seriously. And that's he's, the yeah, one he's he actually dropped seen. off a lot. He's just draft. He's draft guy. Yeah, and I'm not even sure he's very good at that either. So, that uh, which was my actually my retort back to him. I said, uh, "Well, it's okay because no one takes you seriously, and if you think he's the worst, then we're probably in good shape." So, well, now you get to have all the fun, and I just get to see the world burn. <laughs> all right, that's gonna wrap up this episode of Clapback Sports. Thank you everybody for listening. Peace and love, everyone.